0: Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, today I've been joined by the captain of Reading Football Club,
1: Liam Moore. Hi
0: Liam, how are you doing?
1: Hello mate, Uh, good to be back on. Obviously to be invited back for the second time was a pleasure, but the third time, yeah. Special when it's a big honour mate.
0: (laughs) Yes, no, it's great to have you on. Um, Sadly, we're in a position where the whole world is very different from part two when we recorded it at Hogwarts. Uh, normally, we do this in a kind of like a porter cabin they have up there. This time, you're in a completely different location. The whole world is seemingly on lockdown. How has it affected you as a person and your family? Forgetting all the reading bit, just you personally.
1: Um, it's been very different. And uh, to be completely honest, it's been pretty difficult. Um, when we found out that there was a possibility of us going into lockdown, uh, we headed back to the Midlands, currently at my missus' parents' house. Um, they've got another house in Peterborough, and this one was in the process of being sold, so it was empty. Um, so we came down here. It's got a gym and things like that, so I did know that I was going to have to stay on top of my fitness, so that's helped. But it's in day to day life, it's been difficult. Um, I see people putting out all these positive posts, you know, they're up and they're running, and like everything's great, but as uh, competitors, it's difficult. Um, there was no end date, so there was no warning. We didn't know that this this was going to happen. We literally just had to down tools, training one day, and ever since uh, the date just gets pushed further and further backwards, and, and it's it's tough to take.
0: Yeah, no, well, yeah, Reading haven't played since the seventh of March now, and that is only just over a month ago. But it feels like a years and years ago, doesn't it, Liam?
1: Yeah, it does. Um, you know, at the end of the season, it's normally six or seven weeks between finishing the season and going back into training. But you have that in the back of your mind throughout the season, so you kind of plan accordingly. you have a holiday, um, you see family you do all the things you can 't do in the season, and then you are pretty much straight back to it. But this has been completely different um, you know we 've just had to stop uh, like I said, with no warning, but what has been a slight positive in this is it 's a real good time to reflect that you can 't not reflect you know you, you sat in the house uh, twenty four hours a day with the with the odd I have a walk or Uh, visit to the shop for essentials so that is the one positive I will take out of this uh, lockdown for now
0: yeah we have to find any positives at the moment are great aren't they? it's kind of there's so much news that's coming out and normally use football as a bit of escapism it's kind of like you go to the game and you kind of like you feel like that pressure is released and you see a wind draw but it's part of your routine and we're all missing routine it took me a good couple of weeks to find the kind of pattern and as a footballer, you're used to going into training, was it four days a week? You probably do. And then you have the match day, at least one. How are you finding kind of having no pattern? And do you think we're going to need, you would need a pre-season now has been so long?
1: Um, yeah, on the second part of the question, the preseason will, will be essential. Um, because this is effectively an off-season. Uh, I think we've been off nearly three weeks now. So if it was to go back tomorrow, which isn't the case, then we could probably get away with training four or five days and then going into a game. But any longer, uh, the players' welfare just come into, into question. So there will need to be a solid two or three weeks training uh, just to get back up to that level. Um, also to make it a fair... Uh, competition you know because just to jump into games now wouldn't be fair on either the people struggling down at the bottom or or the league leaders Uh, everyone needs to be on the the level that they was Um, but day to day it's just kind of taken as it comes Um, I try and write a program in the day the night before um, the days I I know I need to do a little something so I don't go into it blind but in terms of my days and how I'm trying to uh, kind of cope with not having any structure of training is just actually start going to bed a little bit later. Uh, sounds a bit crazy, but go to bed a little bit later, which effectively, we wake up a little bit later as a family, which effectively makes the day go a little bit quicker. It sounds quite sad, but that, that's kind of how my days are. It's just getting through day to day getting my work done when I need to. Um, And then I've also tried to be effective with my time as well. So as I said earlier, it's difficult to stay positive with no football. Um, I've tried to expand in different areas. So I've started like an online coaching course, uh, only very basic stuff, but just try and keep my mind occupied. Uh, There's also an app that was sent into the group uh, from Charlie Adams. One of his friends has got like a mental health app, which is working in sports uh, psychology. So' just going to tap into a little bit of that. never really had the time to do that before between games it 's not something you want to kind of dip into between games because you know you need to be focused on in the right areas in terms of how you 're going to play that game and approaching that game so to squeeze it all in is probably too much and then just trying to spend time with the family um, you know they don 't get to see much of me day to uh, day because it does take a lot of your time football and takes a lot of your energy as well to, to train in a day and then to come home in the afternoon and to go out and do uh, different activities. You're always conscious of, is this going to affect Saturday? So at the minute, it's, uh, it's a great time just to be doing stuff day to day and spending a lot of time with the kids.
0: Yeah, that's something, isn't it? I mean, some people will be listening to this and uh, thinking, I wish I could get rid of my kids for a few hours right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I relate to that for
0: sure. (laughs) And I understand that. That's not a criticism at all. That's kind of like when you're with them 24 hours a day, you just need a bit of breathing space. And kids, they need to be able to run around and everything. But kind of As you're the captain, you're the person who is leading everything. So how are you finding it? How much engagement are you having with other players and with Mark Bowen at the moment?
1: Yeah, well, well, I've got to say first on it, what a year to become captain for the first time in your career. You choose a real easy one, didn't you? Yeah, it's uh, it's testing, but it's a challenge that I'm trying to hit head on, really. Uh, So I've had a decent amount of contact with the boys, uh, there's a senior group to talk about, obviously, the, the more serious things going on at football at the minute, uh, potential openings that we can help with. Um, and then just trying to work my way around the, the younger boys as well, just to make sure they're right mentally more than anything. Um, I think the ones that would firstly come into my concern would be the very young boys like uh, Michael. Uh, but he's in a good place right now. He's moved in with Andy for the for the lockdown. Um, he was in digs before with a, with an older lady so I think for health and safety first he's moved in with Andy so that's good for both of them um, everybody else seems to be ticking over quite well I think the main concern for the fans as well was Puskas um, I spoke with him on FaceTime now a couple of times he, uh, he did the interview with a Romanian uh, news outlet I think the translation came across a little bit wrong in terms of he said that he was lonely, etc. But what he was trying to describe to them was he's over here on his own. It's not ideal, uh, but he's okay. He's getting out. He's doing his exercise. Uh, so I checked on him just to make sure he's mentally in an okay place. Um, obviously, he is difficult. He's in a new country. He's on his own. But I'm glad to say now, uh, I'm not sure if everybody knows, but his, his girlfriend has managed to get a, a flight over. Obviously, that was difficult at first. And, and she's here now for the lockdown. So... He's in a good place. Um, and then the other boys, uh, the foreign boys, so Rafa, first year over here, he's in a really good place because he's, he's with his family. They're all over here. Um, and everyone seems to be getting on okay. Um, and and the gaffer, yeah, I spoke to him a good few times now. He's been brilliant, actually. So we've spoke about, obviously, the more serious things. And then he's also put bits into the group. Uh, he put a long video into the group the other day just to explain the, the situation where we're looking to return or, well, how they're speaking to the FA and things like that to try and get a return date. And um, he also sent individual clips of every player just to kind of uplift everyone's mood, just to say this is us as a team. Um, It's tough at the minute, but this is what we're all capable of. And when the good times return, let's enjoy it. So, yeah, I think phones and iPads and things like that has been an absolute lifesaver in this time.
0: Yeah, technology's uh, changed everything, hasn't it? If we didn't have that, this would be uh, an even more difficult time. But it's good news to hear that Pussis has got his wife or girlfriend, sorry, if I just married them up there? I'm not sure. <laughs> 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 uh, no, so, we okay, girlfriend, retract that, Paul, retract that quickly. <laughs> it's kind of, no, that is, it must be really difficult because um, just being alone and, uh, yeah, it is yeah, such a strange situation being locked in your house all the time and, you see the NHS are getting, obviously, amazing work they're doing with everyone at the moment, being overloaded. And it's so important that we do stay inside. But one thing I've learned from doing these podcasts, doing quite a few of them in the last week with players, current ones and ex ones, is they love going on runs. They either love it or hate it. Because every single time I've done a podcast, they've said, I've either been for a run or I'm about to go for a run. So what is your relationship with running
1: now, Liam? Um, I've just been on one. And I hated every second of it, <laughs> honestly. Like, in a game, as a centre-half, we'll cover anywhere between 10 and 11K, uh, probably about four to 600 metres high-intensity running, and then normally 75 or over sprint distance. That would be normal stats on a Saturday. To try and replicate that on your own or get anywhere near that is just so difficult. So today's the first time I've gone on a, a longer run. And when I say longer, I did 10K that's the one I've been dreading for a long time because just to go out there, phone, headphones and just run for 50 minutes straight, it's just mentally, it's just torture. So many things go through your mind in that 50 minutes, you know, a few minutes in and you're just catching your breath at the start. You're thinking, why am I doing this? Halfway around, you think, "Should I just stop and walk back? And then the last bit, you, you find a little bit of motivation because you think I'm nearly back now, but it's just a mental torture from start to finish. Um, I, I don't enjoy it. I don't think I've got the build uh, for the longer distance ones, but I've just we've just got to do it. It's it's, it's there's no negotiating it. We've got to do it. Um, but I can't wait to get back. And if they make us run as a group, I'll be so happy to run as a group. It was just to have people either side of me will be, be amazing.
0: Yeah, that must be one of the things you just miss is the, just the kind of like the stupid jokes that you get during the day in the training ground because you're not getting really any of that interaction there with the players. So I don't know about your family, but with the, uh, with the kind of like the players, it's just not there at all, is it? And that's a
1: Yeah. It's such yeah. a weird Yeah, the, the team spirit and the cohesion of the team was in a really good place. A really, really good place. We'd, it sounds silly, but we just created a few different bits around the training ground, so... Obviously, training was good. That start that helps everything. Uh, but we had a little putting mat uh, for around lunchtime. Um, the golf putting mat that is. Uh, darts board. Um, a big speaker in the dressing rooms, and it just helps little percentages. It just helps, and we was in a good place. Everyone was getting on very well. Uh, people was getting back fit, so the the intensity in training was in a good place. Um, So, yeah, it's difficult to go from that to, to, you know, just a little bit of family banter, which is completely different. It's very, very difficult. (laughs) Yeah. But who's the king of darts at Reading FC? That's what we want to know. It's very, very close. Um, I'm going to go for Sam Baldock. Just, he's got a very unorthodox throw. Uh, Like, we had to uh, slow mo his throw at one point because it just moved like completely all over the place. But, he was pretty good at getting it where he wanted it to go. Um, we're not great, but we've definitely improved. We play 101, um, so it's quick fire, and then winner stays on. And there was one day where he got six or seven in a row, so he probably takes king for now.
0: Yeah, I bet he was absolutely loving that. Just telling it absolutely. And the golf
1: great. shirts help as well. I'm not sure if you've seen that on the, on the Instagram. But uh, we, we made a rule that um, if you wanted to play on our darts board, you had to have a dart shirt. <laughs> so everyone bought a dart shirt off Instagram and we did the walk-ins and the music and all of that. that. Yeah, it was good to be fair. It's good for the changing rooms. No, definitely. And let's get to the football now,
0: because I think you're right. Definitely. You can see it. The spirit in the team. And I would say all of Mark Burns' tenure so far, it's so frustrating that we don't get to finish the end of the season at this moment. Maybe we will at some point, but there 's a couple of blips which we will come into at some point in this uh, recording, but overall, I think it 's been so much better as a whole team
1: yeah, for sure uh, the stats don 't lie i 'm um, not sure at this exact moment, but there was a, a long a long period that since uh, the Gafford came in, that we was on player form uh, which Speaks for itself. Um, points are being put on the board. Yeah, we've had a couple of blips for sure, and, and when the blips have been bad, they, they felt really bad. But on the whole, um, we've been going in the right direction. Um, we know that we can play better at times. We know that we can play sometimes a bit more attractive football. Uh, there was a few games that we was quite sloppy, uh, but we're in a results business, and I think the manager can't be questioned on that at the minute because overall, he's probably got the best points ratio for a long time. So yes, yeah, it's, it's, it has been in a good place.
0: Yeah, he's running over 1.5 points per game. And now we're not talking about five or six games. It's actually a protracted period. And I think we are fifth still on the form guide since he took over. And, you know, we're starting to get towards two-thirds of a season there. So that's that's a pretty impressive form. What do you think are the key changes that he's made and adapted as a manager since he's come in?
1: Um, I think I mentioned it in the past uh, very briefly, but... Um, this is no criticism of Jose, but he was about total football and uh, sexy football, if you like. But with the gaffer, um, I think he's very realistic about the championship and the demands it has on us. Um, and he put out, he put on genuine demands on us that he wanted the ugly side first. So in the first week or two, we spoke about nothing but second balls, and. For a player, you're thinking second balls like all the time, and we're not going to do something like passing or shooting. But it was so needed. Like we was becoming such a nice and a soft touch. It was it was frustrating not only for the fans but the players as well. We knew players were coming to our place thinking we're going to have a nice game of football. If Red did play well on their uh, on their day, they'll be pretty hard to beat. But if if uh, they don't, like we're probably going to come away with all three points. Where we've we've probably added to our uh, our armor now by saying. We don't need to play well. We can probably still beat you if we're, if we're doing a doggy side of the game, which it doesn't take much to do that. It's about determination, effort, and drive to win these horrible battles. Then, yeah, our, our good stuff will come through as well. And then our, on our day, we can be very, very good and we can, and we can hurt teams effectively.
0: Yeah, no, I've definitely seen something. I kind of like the run over Christmas period when we had four consecutive wins. I think we saw all the different sides there of the team there because it's all well and good hand playing fantastically well against teams. And that's lovely, but you've also got to, like you just said, do the ugly bits as well. And that's what I find so encouraging with it the situation is that we're kind of like showing that more and more and particularly in that Fulham match away. That was the kind of like the pinnacle of it. <clears throat> How yeah. was it like to playing that four-match run, Liam?
1: Uh, it was brilliant, and I think what you said there was absolutely spot on in terms of the different types of wins. Um, so, I'm trying to remember all the games now, but I think Preston was part of that. Uh, yeah, it
0: started off. You had the um, uh, win against uh, now, my brain is going into action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Let's see how it works now. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's difficult to remember. To
0: really get these the standout ones, is So,
1: I'll start on that one. Okay, Derby, interesting yeah. game. Uh, I remember that one. I changed it around, kicked towards the uh 1871 second half just to get a feel for it. It obviously helped. They had a man sent off very early and we scored. So it felt a bit, not a cruise, but it was it was a bit of a relief, like good win, good team. Uh, so that was, that had a bit of everything to be fair. I didn't feel like we had to dig too deep, but we did enough to get over the line. And any win like that is is uh, definitely taken at home.
0: And then we had the QPR one, that's, that strike from John Swift. I mean,
1: oh, that strike yeah. alone
0: was fantastic. But for me, I would put him down as the player of the season so far. Because Yeah, I'm not-
1: uh, yeah uh, obviously on the game, again, really good win. Uh, they was going for a bit of a good form as well, if I remember rightly. And uh, it was becoming a hard team to beat. I think we played out a draw to them not too uh, long before yeah. that away. Yeah. So that was a good result as well. And then just going on to Swifty, yeah, um, I'll probably always be one of his biggest praises for sure. He's got every bit of ability you need to play at the highest level. Left foot, right foot, passing, shooting. Uh, he covers good ground. Uh, he covers 13, 14k in games, which is a real serious amount of distance. He's always up there in our team. Um, he sees a pass like from... From the stands, probably fans wouldn't see that kind of pass, but he sees it and, and he's got the ability to perform it. Um, and the only thing that if this has been ultra, ultra critical of him to get him to the very top would just be to assert himself into a game even more. I feel like he can grab the game by a scruff of the neck and show everyone, like, this is my game. I'm going to dictate the whole tempo of this game because he's got the ability to do it, and everyone uh, that's had the, the pleasure of actually training with him and playing with him will will say that that is something he can, for sure, he can do. Yeah, no, he's definitely
0: got ability, and I think I think you're right, yeah. I think it just, like I a little bit, tiny bit more, and then you're going to have a real kind of, well, a Premier League player, basically. That's what you're going to see. It's
1: hard, though, because if yeah. if you if you rattle him, like some managers want to do, and say, like, come on, you might lose him because mm. he's so laid back. And uh, Swifty plays his best football when he's relaxed. Like, <laughs> should I say? Yeah, I probably should say it. Like, it is what it is. Different people are different now before games. Uh, so you've got people that stretch. Uh, you've got people that go and um, uh, have a rub and things like that. Um, when we first arrive into the dressing rooms on a match day, Swifty will still be on Candy Crush where where at first the lads were like, what are you doing? Like We've got a game where he won't go on it for long enough where it's going to affect his performance in terms of 10 minutes before warm-up He won't still be on it. But just to have that mentality before the game, at first it didn't sit right with people, but then you realised that's when he's at his best. He's just completely relaxed about the game. He's done all the research before it, so it's not like he's lazy or anything like that. He knows who he's playing against. He knows his opposition. He's now in his zone. Everyone has a different different zone. Some people might agree, some people might not. But his, his zone is controlled and relaxed, and that's how he plays. So, yeah, he's he's different, but he's different in a good way because some of the things I see him do in, in our half or in our 18-yard box, I just think, like, wow, like, all, all credit to you. Like you're so relaxed, but you've got the ability to back it up.
0: Yeah, of all the things I was expecting to hear today, uh, Candy Crush was not one of those things. That's the same. <laughs> but if it works for him, I like, can see the psychology of it because it just he's just focusing on that, and it just takes his mind off it, and he's not stressing too much about it.
1: Because it must yeah, be so exactly. stressful
0: going into matches when you know you've got to perform and there's expectancy on you. From forget everyone else, it must be about yourself and what you want yeah,
1: yourself in that game. For sure. And it's not as if I'm saying at halftime or after the game, because he hurts like us all, you know, when, yeah. when we, we don't win games. Uh, he's very engaged on that side of things. But it's what gets him in the mindset to go into games, because games are stressful in terms of, you know, what's at stake. So the, the mental side of the game or before the game is all about being going out there as clear-minded as possible. Uh, and just being completely relaxed in your own skin to go and do what you need to do. And if Candy Crush helps him, then continue to do it because he's been in very, very good form this season.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's working for him. So we go to the next game in that in Preston. And then we see John Swift being involved in another goal. He set, scores the goal, sorry. And then we saw Lucas Jow as well. Uh, Lucas Jiao, Um I saw an Instagram live the other day when he was being asked with Yaku Mate. <laughs> who was the? Uh, who was? The, I, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing here. It's not exactly what they said, but who was the easiest defender to get up against in that game when they were playing? When he was playing against Reading, and of course he picks you. He knows fully well what he's doing. He um, you knows
1: he's, he's, he's funny. He's batter. a funny guy. Yeah, but it's all in. It's all in the bank trust me and then when every training sessions video so when I lift him in training that will be posted don't you worry
0: (laughs) (laughs) definitely yeah no I like it I mean Lucas Zhao I think he was just so he was coming into form so much and the whole team had a kind of like a pivotal point up front they could hit him he could hold the ball he's got his technical ability I don't think he is in doubt and he seemed to be really it's so frustrating that he got that injury then in the next game against Fulham. It really is because that game was... I think that's the best I've seen Reading play for a good few years in that Fulham match, just that one game. Do you think that's fair?
1: Yeah. Um, on Lucas, he's the perfect nine and a half, which I'll explain that is, he's not up there on his own, so he's not standing against two centre-halves that in this league are naturally big and strong that are going to kick him all over the place, even though he could probably hold that to fair. He's a big lad. Um, and he's just not quite a 10 because he's a bit further forward. So he's just in that little gap, and it's so hard to play against. And on the Instagram Live, for people that didn't see it, uh, we was having a bit of jokes here and there, and you know uh, he was trying to wind me up, and then Yaks and myself was trying to wind him up about being lazy. But his stats actually stand up, covers decent distance. But that lazy look or that lazy approach actually worked so well for our team in that in that period so he was getting into positions that when we won the ball we could hit him it would stick and we was off and we was on counter-attack after a counter-attack And the Fulham game summed that up for sure we we can't and I don't think any team in the league can go toe-to-toe with Fulham away you want to do that in terms of you play good football we play football what's the score going to be it doesn't happen it didn't happen in the playoff year. We knew what we had to do and it wouldn't happen this year. So we went with a game plan. We sucked up a lot of pressure, which I think we're more than capable of doing. Um, and then when we got the ball bang into Lucas, runners off him and a lot of quality as well off him. And yeah, that was one of the ultimate away performances uh, with, with himself, uh, a, a key part of it. Yeah,
0: the positivity amongst the fans was great after that. Um, and... You know, we definitely had a little bit of a dip after that. There's, You know, we can't deny that. But we did come back as well. I mean, we had, I was at the Leeds match that was in that like later on. We obviously had the whole of January, had the um, match there at Leeds. And I always thought, yeah, Leeds did have a bit more. There's no doubt. That's why they're top of the league. But I didn't come out of that game thinking there was a huge gap. I thought it was one of those games when next season we'd be nearer to that level. That's what I was thinking. Like in this that game- is
1: Leeds home. Sorry, this is Leeds home game. Is it or the uh, away? Leeds
0: away? Leeds away. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought we 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 actually did okay against them. Both games. Uh, the home game, we had a uh, quite a strong tactic against them that worked for a large periods of the game. I think we conceded late in that game, which was frustrating. But that's the game we came away from. Never happy when you lose. But again, to think we're in a good position here. Like these are one of if not the best team in the league and we've took them pretty much all of the way um, and then when we went away I felt the same again like we'd learned a bit from the first game uh, I think they started quite bright early on but that can always happen in the championship or any league you just have to suck up the pressure and then we, we had a real good 60, 60 odd minutes like really good we had a couple of chances as well that we should have taken and if you go away to a team like Leeds you have to take um, and then yeah Ultimately, it was frustrating. They scored a scrappy goal, couple of deflections, bounced back. And that's what can happen when you're uh, in good form like Leeds. But two games against a very, very solid team that um, you can take positives from. You can't be happy because uh, I've seen a lot posted about that. You know, we're happy because we went away and didn't get spanked. Like That's not the case at all. But you can definitely take positives because ultimately, what they're doing this season is what we're aspiring to do. Uh later down the line
0: yeah no definitely and you did have that golden chance right at the end of that match Liam I mean you you took the ball so nicely it was always like I was watching a striker there and I, I rolled
1: it back it. 15 it's... years yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I should have went down to be honest with you because uh, there was a lot of contact um, I felt it at the time and I, I I've seen it again after the touch it was decent to be fair I will, I will give myself that it got me in the position I exactly wanted to go like across him and it was a big tug on me, but it's just not my nature. And I've always said it since, like, good calm will come back on me. So maybe later down the line, if I tug a little bit more than I should, then hopefully I get away with it. Um, sorry, helicopter flying by. Um,
0: Do you but, reckon yeah, that you would have got a penalty in the last minute at Ellen Road, though?
1: It would have gave a very, very big decision for the ref to make. And I think a lot of people wanted that uh, to be the case, just for him to have a decision to make. But with me staying on my feet, he didn't have to make one, but, you know, I, I felt like I did the right thing. Uh, I tried to think the keeper. He made a decent save, to be fair, so it's just one of them things. Yeah, you
0: need to, like, to pay more attention to, him, to like, you know, the strikers, what they would do there. you just got to think, i just get you back for this once. Just, you know, watch uh, Puskas and all these other players in the penalty area. Just a little touch. <laughs> it's going to yeah. be down there Yeah, get. I
1: know. <laughs> I know, that would have been such a good point as well. I was frustrated after, but... I'm telling you, good calm will come back around and, and there'll be it something will. that happens. I think, yeah, that's why I, uh, that's why I i on off feet. No, no, definitely.
0: Um, now, we're going to come to the game that was after that one. Now, this was a low point in the season. Oh, Reading nil, Wigan three. What was going on in that game? Just, it just wasn't good, was it really?
1: It was awful. Uh, real real painful day Uh, probably the worst I've had as captain to be fair because you do feel things that bit more Uh, you know you try and get everybody up for games and the warm up and pass on knowledge where you can and, and all these different bits but I think we'd spent so much energy in that Leeds game mentally and physically we came to this game and we the warm up I think there was a little bit of a feel we was we a little bit tired in terms of not saying it amongst each other, but you could feel that buzz wasn't quite there from being up there to going a bit there. But we were still com- confident we could win the game. And then the game started and I just felt like it was a little bit all over the place. We matched them up uh, 4-4-2 and that's what they've been doing for large portions of the season. And it took away a large threat of what we do in the middle of the pitch. So we was trying to press high up and they was breaking through our lines quite easily and quite comfortable and they were, their wingers were very inverted uh, which was allowing hello <laughs> sorry my little daughter <laughs> um, they, their inverted wingers were coming into holes between our midfield and our defence which was then allowing them to have overloads and it just felt like it was constant attack after attack after attack and we broke on the night we conceded. There's been games before where we've we've had loads of attacks and done okay, but it just felt like everything was going against us that night. And they almost felt like as players and individuals, we we were carrying a weighted sack on our back as well. Like we just we couldn't get to that intensity, which it can happen. But when it happens at home as well and against a team that you you would like to say you will get the three points against at home, no disrespect to Wigan, it's frustrating and it hurts. uh and at no point in that game did we look like we was going to win the game from kickoff, off And, and that's, that's not a good position to be in because you do all the work leading up to the game on the training pitch and and before the game. So to, for that to happen, it, it's, a, it's a night you definitely have to reflect on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've had lots of people um, asking me to ask you the question about the third goal, Liam. What was going on there? People are asking about, because they're asking about the tracking back and the situation. It... When you watch your bat, it doesn't look great from the whole team. So w- explain your situation. Not
1: even from the whole team. I think as an, on an individual basis, obviously everyone will have their own kind of view on it. At the time I watched it, uh, well, I was, I was there involved on it and I felt like, right, it's gone out wide. Um, I can't reach him. Let me stay with my man who's much deeper than me at the point, but he's going to look to cut it back at some point. So let, let's position myself in a position now where he stays wide. And when he does cross it or whatever he decides to do with it, I'm there. Then I watched it back and that was completely different to what I seen at that exact moment. He He was wide and I might not have got there, but I could have forcibly gone and put pressure on him to make a decision on what he needed to do. And it was oh it's one of those moments where you watch it back and you feel a bit sick in in your mouth because you think that's 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 not good if i watched that on tv i'd be saying what is he doing there and i had to watch it on tv including myself and i thought yeah i've I've got that one completely wrong and on the grand scheme of things as well because it was two nil down at the time then to that to be the third game it just looks like it's just like you're just not bothered which has never been the case with me uh and it never will be the case, but yeah, that was, that was a real tough goal to watch. I've like, made mistakes before, and you can say, yeah, that's just, that happens, but that one was like, I've completely misread that situation, um, and yeah, rather than trying to be too clever, really, and thinking, no, oh, he's going to pull it back, or whatever, uh, just to go and affect what I can affect, which was the ball at the time, at least make him make a decision. If I go there, and he pulls it back, and he slots it in, all right, cool, I've busted my gut to get there, but, rather than kind of, like I say, be too clever. It's uh, it definitely a kick off the backside, that one. That was, that was not good. And as a captain as well, like I say, everything gets heightened. And that that wasn't an example that I'd like to set for anyone, to be fair. So that was gotta be one of my low points of my reading time, actually, because that was a tough one to watch back, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: I, I could imagine so. Because it didn't I mean, just from like talking to you on knees and seeing you play, it didn't really feel like that was you in that moment. <laughs> it, was yeah, kind
1: of, no, it didn't reflect yeah. good it, it would be something like if someone comes to you at the end of your career and showed you all of your highs and your lows, that would be in there for sure because there hasn't been a, a case I don't think that that's kind of happened uh, to me, it's just a complete misread of the situation but it's not a good misread you. I mean, sometimes you can kind of look and see I know why he did that because he, this was going through his head or that was going through his head but on that occasion, there wouldn't be something I could turn around to you and say, "Here, oh, that's exactly why I did that at the time." Yes, I would have come off the pitch adamant that I just I was sure he was going to cut it back. He was too wide for me to affect. But then, like I said, watching it back, it's like, nah, you can't—you can't say that. He was—he was more than gettable to affect, and you've just got to push your gut to get there and uh, and try and affect things. So yeah, like I said, it's a learning curve, and whatever if that happened again you know, I'm going straight towards the man for sure. And whatever happens from there, I've affected what I could.
0: Yeah, no. So we go into the next match after that in the Barnsley match. And then it's kind of like you're not in the team. Now, it was put out that you were ill. So let's just clear up all those rumours and conspiracy theories because the world is full of them. And this is just another one of <laughs> these right now. You were actually ill at that point when you for the Barnsley match.
1: Yeah, this that was... Definitely one of the worst weeks for sure because obviously that happened on the Tuesday or the Wednesday evening and then the next night or so you stressed, you're thinking oh I need to make amends for this and then Barnes at home was a perfect opportunity I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning on the Friday evening uh, vomiting and burning I'm never sick Um, sometimes I'll get a bit of a cold and things like that but I'm never sick so 4, 5 o'clock I'm up, 7 o'clock I'm up but we have pre-match at the training ground at 11.30 so I managed to get myself up and out. Uh, I hadn't eaten, but I thought i will definitely eat at the training ground. Uh, when I'm around everyone, I just forced myself through it. Got to the training ground. I obviously spoke to the, the physio to say, what could I take? This is just going to help me just get over the line, really. like I just need to play this game. This isn't a good time for me to miss a game. Never is, but right now isn't. Uh, so he put me in like, isolation in the physio room, got me some pre-match, didn't want it to spread. Uh, it was just going to get me through the game, basically. Um, And I ate like two little bits of pasta and I didn't feel good, but he came in and he's like, you need to do a bit more if you're going to get for a game. And he started talking to me. I seen the room spinning and stuff. So I ran out and I I was sick again in the physio room. And he's like, listen, I'm taking the call out of your hands now. Like, I know you want to do anything to play. Um, So he went over and told the manager. I was gutted and I also felt horrendous. I just got in my car, drove home and just literally stayed in bed for 12, 13 hours. Um, I watched the game to be fair in bed. obviously don't tell anyone apart from people listening, illegal stream. <laughs> Watch <game> <laughs> um, watched the performance. Uh, obviously first half wasn't particularly great, but got the job done, clean sheet. I knew full well there was a decision to make on the Tuesday coming into the, the next game. So I've gone into training Monday, super positive, just feeling I feel good. Like manager pulls me on training pitch. And I'm thinking, oh no, no, come on now. Only miss one game. He says, all right, They're kept a clean sheet. You know what I've done all the way through. Like, I always keep a winning team. Uh, and they kept a clean sheet. We're playing against a really high-intensity team, t- t- real high-intensity team tomorrow, uh, being Chef United. You've only trained one day. Like This isn't the right time to come back in. Like, you're my captain. Uh, this isn't based on anything. And at the time, I can't lie, I didn't take it too well. I was, I was frustrated not only what happened the week before, but I was also frustrated because I thought like I've gone through a lot for the for the club in terms of injuries and stuff with my shoulder weeks before that like I was having injection after injection every game in my foot um so to miss out on illness and then not to go straight back in was frustrating yes listen the Wigan game wasn't ideal but you know I played 170 odd times like just just to miss out because of illness for the first time in my career the first sick day I've ever had was so frustrating but okay, I had to take it on the chin. Like, I was really peed off because it was a team I wanted to play against. Uh, but okay. But he said, you, you know, we'll see how things go. You could be back in on Saturday. And then they played really well against Sheffield. So already in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, might not be in there. But, you know, he said, we'll see what happens. So ultimately we lost the game. So there's a glimmer of hope that I might play. And then Friday comes and the gaff says, look, they've taken a Premier League team the whole way. I've just got to be right by everyone. And again, in hindsight, yeah, he was right. But again, I didn't take it well. I'm thinking, I played all these league games. I've missed last week. I've missed Tuesday. Like this continues. I I've never been out of the team like here. Like, I don't know how to take it. But all right, I feel like I don't agree, but we'll leave it at that. Like I've got respect for you. I'm not going to cause a big scene. Train as normal. So I didn't didn't start against Birmingham, and it was tough. It's so tough watching the game. You know, when you're so used to being like right in the mix, uh, especially in the league, and then I got called into action last 10, 15 minutes. And coming off the bench number one's the hardest thing in the world, for sure. It's the hardest thing in the world, like getting up to the pace of the game. But I felt like I did myself some some justice there in terms of I made a couple of excuse me. I made a couple of blocks late on. Um, and I just felt like I came on and, and kind of just showed like the right attitude to any young player that if, if like you do go for a bit of a, a, a rough patch and you come back in like you can't sulk. That was my thinking as soon as I came on the pitch, don't sulk. Get on there and just do what I can for the team. And I'll get back in for sure. it's just when, and th- that's it. so anyway, after that game, we've not played since, but when I said early on in in the conversation about the only positive well one of the only positives is time to reflect. so at the time when I didn't start the next two games, I was thinking, that's not fair. Why has he done that?" But in hindsight, when you get time to reflect, you think my fault actually because I shouldn't have gave him a decision to make so if I was playing at the top of my game I'm pretty sure I'd have gone straight back in it was I'd given him enough of a reason even though the boys had done well as well to not play so the last week or 10 days has been really good like I think on first I've seen it somewhere in the news as well everyone seems to be doing it connecting with people they haven't spoke to blah 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 me I've connected to like not my past like I'm not looking too far backwards but I'm looking on what's made me tick in the past and why haven't I been at the level that I wanted to be at this season? Have I trained hard? Yeah, I have. Have I have I done the right things? Yeah, I have. But what what's kind of gone wrong in my... Like, it's not a crisis for any means. Like, I've played 99% of the games this season. Uh, like, I've done okay. But okay is not good enough in my head. So, like, what's gone wrong? And it's very simple for me, but you don't often get the chance to kind of sit back and think, what and the answer is is because I've been so eager to to step up in terms of to to get to that next level in my performances. I've been taking so many different thoughts into games. Right, top players are doing this, so let me go and do this, and that's the kind of play. That's the kind of things Premier League players are doing, and these are the kind of stats that Premier Leagues are getting. So let me try and do that. But in all them thoughts, I lost me, which was frustrating and now I can look back and think yeah that's it but at the time when you're in the bubble you're just thinking no keep going keep going keep going but it's easy to say it now but I can't wait to go back to be fair and just kind of refine me because I'm horrible to play against when I'm me and that, that's the main thing like, I'm a defender first and foremost I love the ball hitting me in the face I love blocking the ball that's what I do um so let me kind of do me yeah I can improve on the other sides as well um which I think anyone can continue to improve. That that's, that's, happens throughout your career and throughout life. And they will gradually come into your game. But rather than saying, I'm going to put these into my game right now, it's, it's, it's going to be a problem. You need to gradually let these things happen naturally. So get back to doing me and then the improvements will come in as well and get back to that level because I was at a good level before. I think I, I underestimated the level that I was at. It almost felt like this is coming quite easy. I'm playing game after game. I'm playing well. All the accolades... And I just thought, if I had these bits as well, it'd be great. But that's not always the case. Let's continue to do me. And for sure, that's the advice I'd give to anyone. And I've given to myself now to do what I do and bring what I do to the team. And then we'll go from there. No, that's really interesting
0: to hear all that. I mean, I just watching you play, I thought that you actually hit a really good period of form just before Christmas. I thought it was really clicking then. You were at your kind of, well, yeah, I'd say almost your peak. I would say you were looking really good. It's like playoff season levels. I'd say, that yeah, kind nearly of level. there.
1: Nearly there. Uh, I'd agree with you there. We went for a good period, so it always helps if the team's doing well for sure. Um, but yeah, I was nearly there. I felt I'd been moved to the left side of centre half in the back four, which helped. I'd always been quite open about that was my strongest position, so I was there and I felt good. Like I'm there now. I'm playing where I play. Like let's go. And then I, I. I was getting there and then obviously we had the blip against Wigan which didn't help and then the last three games uh, or two games after that obviously I didn't play and then we're into the period we are now so I maybe was just about getting there maybe I was just about in my head getting back to that level that I know I can but this break here now I hope it doesn't last much longer than now because it it will drive me nuts but has done me the world of good just to be like like breather because it's non-stop football you know for the last four years uh Sounds like a long time, but I've been at Reading a fair fair amount of time now. Playoff year, obviously everything that happened in the playoffs. I got married that summer, came straight back. The next year, we stayed up on the last game of the season. You have a quick summer, you come back, you're straight into it again. We struggled again the year after, which was very mentally draining. And then we're into this year. So you don't often get the chance to sit back at your house for a period of time and think, hmm, what do I need to improve on or what have I not been doing so right? So I think that's what well, I did. I seen a quote the other day about uh, if people don't come out of this like time with growth or like a new uh, skill, it's nothing to do with uh, time. It's just your discipline. So everyone should be using this time now just to improve. If it's the smallest of margins, just to improve something. And I'm trying to do that in different aspects, but footballing wise is just go back to doing me just enjoying it like because I was putting so much pressure on myself to to hit these levels if I do it naturally it comes but like, I'm, I'm very confident in my ability that it comes but take that weight off my shoulders and just get back to doing what I like doing which is smashing people <laughs> blocking shots and being horrible to play against and then like I said the rest will come yeah you just seem to like enjoying playing basically Liam don't that's you? it exactly <laughs> that
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> The more pain, the more enjoyable it is. But having a consistent partner alongside you must make a, a massive difference for you and having Morrison there. And then, obviously, Niaska got his injury uh, in January, wasn't it? But it's kind of, it's just been more consistency in that bat line and having uh, Andy Idom there. I mean, I, I know you're best mates with him, but kind of him coming in as well, Chris Gunter coming in, taking his place. I thought Chris Gunter played really well when he came in as well. He hit his best form, I thought he'd seen, for a few years as well. But then it it kind of reflects, if the team's doing well, it's so much easier to come in, surely. Is is that true or not?
1: Uh, Yeah, Um, there's a large proportion of that that, that's true. Um, But I wouldn't sit here (laughs) now and use it um, (laughs) as an excuse to say, oh, well, I kept getting chopped and changed partner Mm -hmm. and the the back four, because that, that wouldn't be right. If you focus on your game, and you bring to the party what you bring, the rest should fall into place. Because let's say, for example, the the year that we just stayed up on the last game of the season, uh, it was tough. It wasn't great. But I came away from that season thinking individually, I've done well here. Um, Obviously, I got Player of the Year that year. Um, um, Obviously, that summer was when the Premier League interest came. So everyone's got to bring what they individually do to the party. So I wouldn't say it's an excuse about chopping and changing the back four. Um, but on, on the players that you mentioned there, when you are doing what you do and bringing what you bring to the party and others around you are, that's when you, you're in a good place. Um, managers in the past have always said that, you know, we can't carry players in, in this league. Um, but if you've got, I think it's like four or five players playing to their, their potential, you've got a chance of getting something out of the game. You've got a chance. But if you've got seven or eight, you've got a very, very good chance. You're more than likely going to win the game because not every Saturday all 11 are going to be on song. But if you've got large proportions of the team, then yeah, there's a good chance. And in that period you mentioned there, that was the case. Uh, obviously, I was starting to hit the form on Arkan. Uh, we had Morrow, Solid as ever next to me. Uh, Guns had came in. Uh, it was a, It was a good time for us, for sure.
0: Yeah, Gunter and Gmat—they're the only probably the only two players that can actually see each other, aren't they? Because they seem yeah, to. What you said before—they live it. next door to each other. I don't know if they still do, but I'm assuming they are because there was a video on Instagram I think today of them like working out, and those two are just tight, aren't they? They are just tight, but. The person who is, uh, idolizes you more than any other fan, I think, is Tom McIntyre. That man is—he's is like—he's—he's—it was the son of yours now, isn't he, Liam? He's kind of he's
1: quite amazing. Son. That's why I call him, my son. <laughs> uh, now I bonded with him really well in pre-season. Uh, he was the only centre half. Yeah, I think he was. So he—he got. We had two teams uh, in pre-season, and he was promoted to the team I was in. Uh, so he played on the left side I played on the right side All throughout pre-season And i seen a lot of myself in him First and foremost He was playing for his boyhood boyhood club He wanted to do well Good attitude He's got very good attributes as well uh, I said to him straight away like, Trust me, you've got a, a long way to go in this game You can get right up there You're a left foot centre half First and foremost And there's not many of them So you've got a head start to start with um, And I just liked him He did the things right uh, He trained well he cares. He's good off the pitch as well. And then like we clicked. And I just try to help him where I can. Sometimes I hammer him just for banter because I felt like that's what happened to me. So why not? Um, <laughs> but a lot of times, you know, i tell him, like, just relax. Like, you're, at, you're at where you should be at. You're at Reading. You're here because you deserve to be here. Don't get too tense. You're, like, you're fine. Like, you've got this. And there's been a couple of times where he's needed that. Um, I think in pre-season, we had a tough game. I think it's Seville. Uh, I seen him really flustered. Was it the we played? I think it was. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at Cardiff, a little bit as well. Um, I just like just listen, relax. Don't like don't worry. You've got the ability. Like you'll be fine. And I think he's respected that really. Um, and I just tried to toughen him up a little bit as well. Like he's had some bad injuries in his time. Um, some of them, yeah, like terrible for a young lad coming through. And he's been out for a long period of time. But there's been a couple of things where I have said like, man up if I can say that nowadays I'm not sure but yeah like it's time it's time to man up now like grind through this you need to come off that pitch if you're injured and know full well there is not a chance that you can continue that's got to be your mindset every time no precautions you're in men's football now like that's the mindset you've got to have and to be fair to him he took it on board and in that Cardiff game as well I think in the end he had to come off if I'm right or no, he might have even got through the game because at one point he looked like he's coming off and I said listen you get up now because you've not had the best 15 minutes and to come off now, it's just how things are uh, uh, looked at from the outside. Like Get up and carry on and he got up and carried on to be fair, finished the game and then he had a scan on a Monday and he had like a grade 2 tear at his ankle so I felt a little bit bad. Good advice, he showed, he, yeah. <laughs> he showed his heart, he showed his heart, he showed his heart and that's the only thing you can kind of wish for. <laughs>
0: No, it's a kind of. Uh, but Tom McIntyre, we're running this FIFA competition on Elm uh, Park Rolls, and he played yesterday. He kindly like said he'd be part of it. He loves the FIFA and all that. But it's the only time I've ever been really disappointed. Him, he played as Leeds. I mean, he could play as Reading, and he plays as Leeds, and he lost. What he, mean, ch- he
1: chose? Did he? Not, surely that was out of the hat. He wouldn't choose that.
0: Sure. No, he chose it, Liam. He chose I to play as Leeds. has uh,
1: yeah. yeah, got no to go, to go A Reading
0: fan a Reading player possibly a Reading captain in the future at some point he let me down there and I need to tell him yeah
1: (laughs) yeah 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 do you know what since uh the kids I've not played it no yeah I I started to play a little bit here and there and then now I just I got bullied basically. My, my missus bullied me. <laughs> so yeah, I've just not played it. I've, I don't even think I played the last two Fifas. So, nah, No,
0: no good. So, kind of, do you think we're going to actually see an ending to the season, or is it going to be voided? I mean, what do you think?
1: What a question! Um, the dates just keeps getting pushed back and back. So at first, when we when we got told we couldn't train anymore, it was uh, one week that we was off for then it's been two and then we got another message into the group only last week. It's been pushed back another couple of weeks. I just don't know whether the end point is where they say this is going to affect the year after and the year after. So, where do we say kind of enough times, enough time? But I also understand uh, the reasons why the season just needs to be finished. Um, and if you're uh, a Liverpool, a Leeds, a West Brom right now, even, even my old club Leicester, they're in Champions League places. Um, you want the season finished it just needs to be done fairly as well because it needs to be a fair competition throughout so they're talking about these quick fire games three games a week it's never been like that the whole way through so is that what they're going to do now and also behind closed doors that's just it's a bit it's not the same is it (laughs) it's not the same at all go check on Monty for me (laughs) yeah it's not the same but um, for me it's uh, I feel like it has got to be finished but there's got to be an end point there has got to be an end point because it's just it's grinding on that's how I feel at the minute it's just grinding on and going on and on and on and we just need something as athletes I think to say this is when it's this is what's happening even though that's hard Uh, okay that's hard because we need to get this virus under control first and foremost. (laughs) One second, mate. Let me just, let me just get one. Let's stop for a moment. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's just difficult, obviously. Um, because there's so many different aspects that people need to consider. It's, It's a real sticky position for the person that's in charge to make that decision. Um, financially, obviously for the game um, Different positions So the winners, Champions League spots, relegation uh, And yeah, you look at lower down the leagues as well Where they have started to void them There's some teams that are very far clear in their leagues And voiding them There's a lot of effort going in There's nine games left So that's a that's a large proportion of the season played out but now to turn around and say every position stands, that wouldn't work either because some teams have played the the bigger teams, if you like, uh, twice and some haven't. Um, average points per game, don't think that kind of works either. So it's such a big, big decision to make. Um, and I'm glad it's not me making it because it won't be right for everyone. It's such a hard one uh, for them to go ahead with. So, yeah. On the football
0: seems to have become a little bit of a political uh, kind of minefield now. And the, the government have mentioned, Matt Hancock, the uh, person in charge of the medical side of the government, mentioned only a week ago how footballers should be taking a pay cut. Now, okay, I understand we're all having to give up, sacrifice a lot of things at the moment, but it's not just footballers who earn a lot of money in this country. There's a lot of big companies in all these situations. How do you feel when you hear? someone making those statements
1: um i think on what you just said there as well uh do you know how many millionaires there are in the country no, you there's tell two me. and a half million millionaires wow. in the country which is a significant amount that's first and foremost which i think let's not uh individually pick out any uh anybody or any profession let's look at the big big grand scheme of things um do I feel like there's a need for help? For sure. Absolutely. Um, and as a team, it's something that's been discussed and I'm sure when the right opportunity, when I say opportunity, when the right cause in terms of there's something directly that is needed within uh, Reading or surrounding areas or there's a the direct uh, case that we can say, yep, yeah, we can make a difference here. We will do that. Um, but just to turn around and say 30%, that doesn't, sit right with Premier League footballers I'm pretty sure, um, obviously we're not in the Premier League so I'm not sure what his situation is with us but just looking from the outside in there I don't think that's right, I think every situation should be done on an individual basis so first and foremost the club should be speaking to uh, their players, their senior players and their captains uh, and explaining the situation that that individual club's in So obviously Liverpool have re- uh, revoked what they were doing and have stopped the furlough scheme, which is 100% the right decision. No team in the Premier League should be doing that. If you're paying 100% of the wages to the players and to go on a government scheme now that, in theory, the country's paying for isn't right. um, I think that players are caring people. So I'll just talk on now on a championship basis. If the club turned around uh, and said, we can't pay for the wages of the staff, here's proof, if you like, because unfortunately we're in 2020 now, Like we, everyone needs to see proof and and things like that Uh, this isn't a time for owners or businessmen to be kind of making their money back and balancing books but if a club came and said we can't afford to keep on all of our staff uh, that's kind of where they're at then as players, we'd say right here we go, let's sit down together shall we all give away uh, 5% of our wage, say to cover the staff's needs so on average the championship uh, wage is 14 grand a week on average uh, that's what's published online anyway i'm not sure how correct that is but that's what's published online so you do five percent of that every week is 700 pound so 7 14 21 pound so a month per player and the average squad is 25 players so that's 70 grand a month 70 grand a month, I'm pretty sure will cover all of the staff at a football club per month. So there's that problem solved. And already we're doing something right and we're already helping and giving back. So the club's helped, we're helping individuals. Then let's talk about helping like key workers, uh, uh, NHS, frontline staff. I think that's definitely something we should look to do. Do I think that just saying here's 10% of our money, Is going to change anything. Probably not right now because the problem is that we're having is we can't get the equipment fast enough. So money can't solve that. That's a time issue. So let's not uh, go around and say, yeah, just take our money and that will sort it because that's not the case. But in individual cases, so if if a club says, right, let's take 10% of your money and we're going to put it in this pot and this pot is going to be used to... uh, when a, Almost like lottery funding, it's in the pot. When there's a situation that comes up, there's the money. It's sorted. There's no delay. We're doing it for a good reason. And on the football side of things, I think it's too early and very premature to be uh, asking players to take deductions for the good of the club, high up. At the bottom, I understand it, clearly. Uh, they they uh, rely very heavily on uh, gate receipts Um, and things like that but again just on a championship basis we are uh, we're going to potentially miss five home games some teams left some teams maybe six so that's five lots of gate receipts but in theory um, I'd say 70% of them are season tickets so that money's already came through and also the Premier League have made a grant uh, and the Football League have made grants to the EFL to keep clubs going so that's kind of covered for now so I feel like that can be continued until July because remember, we're nearly at the end of the season as well. So when the summer comes, how players' contracts work, they still get paid throughout the summer as well. But if we get to July and there's no sign of football, then as footballers and as human beings that we are, because we're not robots, we then sit down and we talk maturely between uh, clubs and the, the hierarchy of clubs. It can't be a, a, gr- a grand scheme for everyone it doesn't work different, different players are at different positions uh, and different amounts of money um, so yeah I just feel like it's just got to be a real mature conversation from the high individuals at a club the owner the chairman etc down to the players the senior players and work something out um, that helps the people that need help because this is what it's about first and foremost this isn't a time for clubs to save money I think Liverpool realised that very quickly this isn't the time to do that. It isn't a time to balance books. It's a time to try and help where we can help. And as players, and I speak for myself and I speak for the boys at the club because we've had this conversation as well, as I mentioned earlier, about the, the group chat we've got for the senior players. We are more than willing to help, for sure. And we will help, but it has to be going into the right areas. And I think that's where the Premier League are having the issues at the minute. They're not just trying to defer 30% wages just to go back to the club and then who knows where it goes. Because if that's the case, if they're going to the NHS and they've proved already that it's actually more positive to receive all their money because of the tax that goes to the government and NHS. So let's have a clear route and a clear understanding of exactly where this is going, exactly how it's going to help. And then I think you can hit players on a more personal level rather than just saying to them, take this amount of money and there's nothing you can kind of do about it. So it's a tough subject. Uh, One I've got to be very conscious of as captain because everyone needs to be looked after right. but I also said when I got made captain that the community is a really, really big part of uh, being captain of this great club. Um, so I'm aware of the, the different demands and the different needs that's needed. Um, I see. So for example, I've seen uh, an example of uh, uh, the Royal Berkshire. Uh, they've just asked for 500 lots of goggles, gloves and one of equipment. I've got it on my email. That's a situation straight away that I think as players we can help. Okay, brilliant. So I've emailed them. I'm waiting to hear an email back. But this is what we'll do. Like we don't need to sing a shout about it. I, I personally don't like to sing a shout about it. Uh, there's also players in our team that do a lot of good work for charity, uh, whether it's at home or wherever it is in terms of the countries they're from. Or there's people that care and there's people that realise that we're in strong positions because we are. Uh, but at the same time, we've worked our way up to to become here. Um, nobody's chasing um, actors nobody's chasing stocks and shares people whatever they're called Uh, nobody's chasing people like that because we've got a lot of millionaires as well remember that are british citizens that are living in these countries where they don't pay any tax at all because there's a loophole in that so let's not pass the book to each other but let's do this collectively and then we can make a difference let's not just chase uh the easy easy option in, in this situation.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to say. It feels like footballers are the easy target here because they've got such a high profile and everybody naturally assumes that every single footballer in England is on millions of pounds a year. And that is not the case, especially if you look in League 1-2. That is definitely nowhere near that amount of money.
1: They need also, to be protected for sure. For sure. The lower leagues, I, I hope that uh, if it comes to a, a period down the line where they're struggling, that the clubs can make a difference for sure because it's such a big business in the Premier League and everybody understands it, why all the broadcasting. And, but if this is a case where they have to give a, a large amount of money to uh, the lower leagues to keep them going, but later down the line, players' contracts are not 300 grand a week, they're 200, then so be it. Because that's, that's just the way it is. We might have to suffer in the long run, but clubs, lower league clubs, need to keep going.
0: Yeah, I think we're all going to suffer after this, aren't we? For whatever industry, whatever way you are in life, in some way there's going to be a sacrifice, isn't there? But, I mean, we're trying to run a, a fundraiser for uh, Robux as well off my side. So anyone who can give to that, that'd be gratefully appreciated because they are doing incredible work. But I think we should kind of like finish this off with a couple of questions that have been sent in. And uh, this is going to get really technical now in the defensive world. So I think you're going to like that, Liam. All right. Yeah. Okay. So from Stephen Cabin, we've uh, got a question. Being that they've played in the same basic corner defence all year, who is responsible for installing it? How would they describe their setup? What's the process they go through for tweaking it week to week? And what is he looking for as an opponent gets ready to take a corner?
1: So, the actual um, setup was by Jose. Um, so, I'm trying to picture now, if it was that long ago. So, we have one just inside. So, you've got the front post, and then you've got one a couple of yards out and a couple of yards forward to protect the in-swinging one, which ca- that catches the keeper out. And you've got three uh, lined up on your six-yard box. You'd have three of your main headers. Uh, you'd have one a little bit wider than that, and then you'd have blockers. So, the process and the thinking behind it was uh, it's different. I've always gone man to man before, but this one has actually worked pretty well. Uh, at first, we had some teething problems because I think under Clement, we did it as well. We got found out a few times. The most important role is the blockers. The blockers have to do a good job. Even though they're outnumbered, they have to one, pick out uh, who their key header is, and two, see the situation very early and, and block the most aggressive runner. Don't foul them, but just stop them getting a free run on us. And then it's almost, it's an area's game. If it's in your area, you know you've got to go for it as a, as a key header of the ball. And it's worked pretty well for us. Um, because, yeah, you're in a position to go and attack the ball. So uh, with an in-swinger, you'll start uh, a little bit deeper because obviously he's going to be swinging it in towards your goal and an outswinger you'll stagger your line so it'll be like a diagonal line so you'll have your front one a little bit further forward you'll have your middle one and a bit further forward you'll have your outside one because by the time it makes it to the outside man it's going to have swung out quite a bit further um, and yeah I think we've conceded one of the fewest amount of goals uh, from set pieces so it's obviously something positive um, you just got to have everybody on the same hymn sheet they, they need to attack the ball when it's in their area
0: yeah, no, definitely. This is a person who you've just answered the question to there who analyzes every single corner. He's really on top of that. He's like, he'd be absolutely loving that, the fact that he's got it straight from you. So away form has been fantastic. This is from Jack Killick. has been fantastic this season, but the home form hasn't been great. He says, shocking. What is Liam's take on this? Is it a mentality thing, or are they just better at hitting teams on the break?
1: I'd say it's a bit of both. Uh, we've maybe struggled with a little bit of confidence at home this year. So it's been, at times, it's been a bit of an eerie feel around the place. I think the fans are waiting for something to happen and we're waiting for the fans to get going. And that's never a good place to be in. You know, we, I think as players, we understand the main responsibilities on us to make something happen, to make people come back, to make some noise. Um, but then talking about their waveform, form, it has suited our style of play as well. Uh, come and break us down that which will naturally have people expanded made in bigger spaces and then uh, we can hit them on the break
0: yeah no it's home form is uh yeah it's worrying i would say it hasn't been great this season but thankfully we're doing so far pretty well away from home so coming towards the end of this i just want to say thanks to uh lynn for doing this in your um uh, kind of is it quarantine or self-isolation you're in self-isolation aren't you up there yeah yeah it's been
1: good good, mate honestly it's just been good to talk football um i've been trying to do a a few different bits i was on a podcast yesterday uh my old club uh just talking about old times and things like that and like i said just trying to just keep as positive as i can with different football bits so to sit and talk for however, however long we have today about football it's been brilliant really I know, I've really
0: enjoyed it and we will be back we're all going to get through this and we'll be back at Medesi Stadium and I if it's not a capacity crowd for the first match back when fans are allowed back in obviously that's being obvious but let's
1: make that happen yeah, yeah sure. definitely
0: no no it should be because it's been like ugh, everyone misses it so much the whole ritual of going with your friends and everything this is just me as a fan it's just really I just want normality so hopefully next time we speak we'll be back there and we'll be playing games at the Mideski Stadium. So thanks again, Liam. Cheers.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, mate. What's up, man?